warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. Britannia podcast, a very British podcast about very British movies with just a hint of professionalism. Good morning, Scott here with me today, my dear friend Stephen. Good morning, sir. Good morning, mate. How are you doing? Very well. Very well. Looking forward to chatting today about an Ealing comedy. Uh, Certainly something a little bit lighter than last week where we sort of jumped headfirst into Sapphire. It's only our third, isn't it? We haven't done too many. I think we did Passport to Pimlico and... Lavender Hill Mob, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, they're the only two, aren't they, that we've covered? Yeah, because Legal Gentleman... Is Legal Gentleman Ealing? No, well, it may be Ealing, but it's not a comedy. I mean, there's, there's, not a comedy, no. Yeah. So, no, we've been in quite relatively light touch, which um, is, is odd because Ealing comedies, I think, are quite a, a staple yeah. of British cinema, really. They're one, one of the, the big ones. You know, you've got your James Bonds, you've got your, your Carry On, um, you've mm-hmm. got the the kitchen sink and eating comedies are kind of a, a hammer as well yeah. and eating comedies are kind of their own own subsection um and we have been relatively light upon them yeah but so i think far. and i think that was because we didn't want to just have eating comedies all the time that's it so we've had eating comedies hardly ever we're um, dressing the balance now though we've well let's just one. yeah let, let's do it i think we, we didn't want to spoil ourselves mate we don't want to over, overdo it because we know that there are a good, I would say, between six, seven, eight classics, real, you know, what generally regarded as the funniest British comedies and some of the finest British movies ever made. And we've covered a couple. We've got about another half a dozen to go. And then there's some that are not as well respected or regarded, but a bit of a fan. I mean, The Lady Killers has always been my favourite. And I'm putting off reviewing that for ever if i can special occasion i think for the lady killers but you like me rings don't you 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 know, based on the conversations we've had but oh yeah man, man in the white suit and all sorts yeah there's just uh and um, canned hearts and coronets and, and yeah. stuff um, and cry, interesting fact yeah. about that you you have alec guinness playing more than one part there are quite a lot in there and some lesser known ones really mm. that uh, that are still great quality but, but and certainly launched a, a a number of careers of people into the the, the british consciousness really as well definitely um, there's some people you look at and you think yeah that's the one that was in the ealing comedies alec guinness is always one that comes to mind uh, as as a stalwart of the ealing comedy series the thing i found sort of semi-interesting today or, or when I was watching this yesterday it's Whiskey Galore from 1949 it's the same year as Kind Hearts and Coronets and Passport to Pimlico 
three yes. three in the same year. Incredible. And they were apparently released within a couple of months of each other. So, um, <laughs> which you know must have been a, a, an absolute boon for the cinema ago at the time when that was really, as far as visual entertainment, that was really um, you only saw us. So, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine if you were a fan? You, yeah, if you're a fan, you're spoiled for choice. Which well, is it? I mean, back then you had that films would play for months rather than you know be changed every week like we're used to um, in the modern era. Mm. So um, that would have been an absolute treat to to go from one to the other and then to the third, knowing that another one's coming up. And yeah, incredible. Well, it looks like we're diving headfirst into it this week. I'll tell you what we do. Let's take a break before we really get stuck in. And we'll be back after this. Northwest of Scotland lie the lovely islands of the Outer Hebrides. But in 1943, disaster overwhelmed this little island. Not famine, nor pestilence, nor Hitler's bombs, but something far worse. There is no whiskey. You have a very valuable cargo on board, several thousand cases of whiskey. Anything might happen. You, you can't trust these people. Would it be so terrible if the people here did get a few bottles? Once we let people take the law into their own hands, it's, it's anarchy. This is lunacy! Whiskey Galore. Whiskey Galore, released in the UK 16th of June 1949, directed by Alexander McKendrick. It's based on the novel by Compton McKenzie, who also wrote the screenplay and also appears in the movie as well. Captain Buncher, I think his name is, we'll talk about him. Starring, now I'll pick out the big names here, there's Basil Radford, Joan Greenwood, Gordon Jackson, James Robertson Justice and John Gregson. Stephen, checking on IMDb. Uh, as guardian of the Village Hall of Fame. Uh, I noticed there's an uncredited appearance for someone sneaking into this movie who is a regular visitor to the Hall of Fame. Yes, I don't. Did you is. spot it? Good. Okay. No doubt there's going to be some other notable appearances in the Hall of Fame later. Your movie choice today, my friend. Over to you for the synopsis, please. When 50,000 cases of whiskey are stranded on a ship which runs aground, the inhabitants of a Scottish island cannot resist temptation to avoid rationing. Unfortunately, a home guard captain, an Englishman, stands in their way. One hour, 20 minutes, sharp, snappy, gets to the point. What's not to yeah. like? What's not to Ex- like in this movie, exactly. mate? There's a bit of a love story in there, but that's they're putting a little bit of that in in most films. Um, yeah, the silk just to to flesh it out and, um, but ultimately, yeah, it's it's a, a, a story of of um, sort of a, a small community trying to um, carry on with their ways and um, against the sort of the establishment from outside and. That, that that cultural difference is, um, it is what this runs on. I mean, I know some people deeper wise have, have talked about it being a, a, a parable for the um, changing attitude towards the British Empire across the globe at the oh. around about the time. But I think that's a bit too deep, and no. and um, uh, given given it more um, more depth than it actually uh, means. I think it is, is just like Passport to Pimlico. 
and some other films around the same time. It is just about people being themselves. It is really what it is. Um, yeah. as as a community, um, and and not sort of not being completely comfortable as a British people with um, just giving up everything to a, a higher power, as it were. It is what it is because when you think about it, Compton McKenzie when he wrote this, I don't think he had any secret agenda of saying this is a, a, a movie based on whatever. It's based on a real-life incident. Now, it is, yes. Now, this film is set during the war, isn't it? It was made in '49, but it's set during the war. The real-life incident occurred, I think, 1941, and there's this disclaimer at the beginning, isn't there, saying the, the real ship was called the SS Politician. This one is... Is it the Cabinet Minister? The SS Cabinet, cabinet <laughs> Minister, yeah. So, so they've been very clever in there, yeah. Yeah, they make no bones about, you know, what this story is based on. You know, everybody knows the story. And and the real true story, the actual real-life incident, there were 24 cases, 24,000 cases of whiskey on, on this ship that runs aground near this Scottish island. Uh, it was Eris, Eriskay was the island yeah. in question. But I found out, which I didn't know, which is like less well documented, in the real incident itself, there was a massive amount of hard cash. Money, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there was files released by the Home Office in the last few years that said there was um, 290,000 10 shilling notes on board, which is the equivalent of several million pounds in today's currency, none of which was recovered. Yeah. I'm sure it went back into the uh, the economy somewhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, Matt, the the thing that mystifies me about the the thing was the True Life mm. shipwreck was it, it was en route to Jamaica with whiskey, um, with whiskey and all that money. Do we know and, why? <laughs> yeah, well, I've, I, I didn't realise the Caribbean with that big whiskey drink because really I thought mm. they had uh, they had rum and that was more their yeah. thing, but. I'm not really sure. Uh, um, I couldn't stand it, you know, because of the time avoiding the shipping lanes to go via Scotland would have been safer than going straight towards oh, course, the yeah, Channel. 41, but, yeah. but otherwise, yeah, I, I can't really um, understand really why they were, ta- <laughs> they were taking whiskey out and, and all that money to Jamaica. But yeah, certainly, although it's the original premise, it comes from a true life incident. The the rest of it is is fictionalised and fleshed out, and the actual um, circumstances. Um, I think the original story had two sets of inhabitants of the island: one the, the Catholics and one not, and that's why there was a, a bit more of a of a to and fro with regards oh, to right. um, the the Sunday thing. But they, I think, they rightly hived it down for the film and made it just that that was why there was the preclusion for the the plundering <laughs> to be done um, because of the Sabbath and it being so strictly adhered to. But I think that's I think that as a device worked a lot better. Apparently, it, it's uh, although it's based upon an incident in reality, the the rest of it is fictionalised. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, it's enjoyable, and I know there was some discussions about rewrites as it was going on and and such like and. Um, director not being happy with the outcome of it and other people getting involved with it after in post production to to put extra bits in and things like that. But um, I think that what came out is incredibly worthwhile and it's certainly influential. You know, even if just the the title of it, as we were saying, talk about the title. Recording. Talk yeah. about the title because you said to me this French title is quite influential. In, in France, it's known as Whiskey a Go Go. 
Whiskey A Go Go, which then became the name of a, of a club in France and then subsequently became the name of a club inspired by the French club in Los Angeles, which is where um, players, people like the Doors and, and such played at. Yeah. Um, and it you know features in a number of songs by rock and roll artists as yeah. Whiskey A Go Go. And, and ultimately that's traced back to this little Ealing comedy it had a different title in the states this you know as far as the Ealing comedy anyway because yeah, this was actually the first first Ealing comedy to really break the american market oh right okay uh, yeah kind of open the door for for the other Ealing comedies this was the first one that really hit over there and uh, i don't know whether they had to do a train spotting thing with subtitles or, or Possibly. not <laughs> well they, um, they changed the title in america for a very yeah. specific reason um in america it was known as Tight Little Island. Yeah. And the reason for that, I don't know if you've read up on this, was because there was some bizarre ruling at the time that movie titles could not feature alcoholic beverages or, yeah. re- or refer and, to them. I know it wasn't prohibition, but... Yeah, but that's why it also had the disclaimer at the end, sort of voiceover, saying that about the um, basically telling the, the audience that having all this whiskey didn't make the inhabitants happy. Yeah. Um, and they went to rap and ruin basically apart from the young couple who who got married who because they didn't they weren't whiskey drinkers they had a happy life but the rest of them it was miserable <laughs> and that again was very much a, you know just a voiceover at the credits sort of thing which just ignore because that's wasn't originally part of the no. film but certainly there was that that agenda when it was released over in the states and then probably if you look on the internet and free free service for streaming and stuff mm. You probably only find the American one rather than the, the British one that doesn't have that nonsense on it. Um, I mean, I know you like a whiskey, so you'd, uh, you'd sort of... Happiness. Happiness is all it ever brings me, whiskey, mate. Is what... well, doesn't it translate in, in Gallic as water of life? It is. It, it, it yeah. certainly keeps me alive. Yeah. You know, it but, certainly um, does. It but gets... yes, the accents in it. I mean, there are some that are... All over the place. ...who are Scottish <laughs> that are a bit... Str- even the, even people who are Scottish, they seem a bit strained because the, 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 essentially the characters are, are all caricatures, um, oh, which isn't unusual for for an alien comedy. Yeah. There is a bit more push and over-elaborateness with some of the, the characterizations, including the accents, and even people who were Scottish, like James Robertson, Who Justice. Claimed um, to be Scottish, yes. We don't. Yeah, that was, we still that was, don't that know. was uh, that's <laughs> certainly he, he came across as sounding like he wasn't originally Scottish, despite because <laughs> you know, his accent was a bit forced. Um, the the elderly mother who was, who was very um, stoic and, and against drinking and everything, yes. and she's talking to Gordon Jackson and she's say, she's talking about black currants. And the way she pronounces um, the the word black current um, <laughs> certainly sounds like she's saying something else yes. um, that you you wouldn't want in the Black Lives Matter um, era. <laughs> uh, Do you know what? I heard that. I did hear it, and I, did, <laughs> I, I wasn't going to mention it. But <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, but I, I, the, uh, yeah, it's characterizations. I mean, and you know, although. Some of them, you know that they're they're not proper Scottish people well, in a way, so that creates a bit of a yeah. of a thing. But you certainly got a, a a litany of great character actors actors and actresses in there, and you know you've got the beautiful Joan Greenwood as well. I mean, a pleasure to see her on screen most of the time. To be honest, her yes, um, yeah, I mean, she carried on acting for decades afterwards. Do you remember? Was it a comedy thing called Girls on Top? Yes. Wasn't she the old, yeah, 
Was it was it? basically the, the 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 female equivalent attempt attempt at creating a female equivalent of the young ones. Yeah, and she was the elderly landlady or something, wasn't yeah. she? That's where I remember her from in later life. Accents all over the place, particularly hers. I mean, luckily we've got some genuine Scottish actors like Gordon Jackson here. Um, he was not a fan of the movie, apparently, Gordon Jackson. Uh, particularly the director. Yes. Did he say something about... It was, It just didn't look professional. It looked like a home movie. There was, Yeah, there was something of that ilk. I mean, I think, you know, they had some production difficulties in a way and they were mm. on a tight budget with it. I think early in his career as well. So maybe Very he early. looked back on it and thought that he did things that were better and of higher quality. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think it's that looks that bad though. I don't. I mean, it's, no, you know, I've got no problem with it at all. He's, he's obviously got higher standards than I do. <laughs> he must um, have, yeah. Well, not now, but obviously that you know <laughs> when he was alive. I don't I know. I think it, it, as a film, its pace is exactly right. I think because it's it, you know it's a little bit of scene setting and you you get into the action and it keeps you you watching and you've got you've got enough uh, enough peril in there to feel like there is some genuine um, sort of risk of them not succeeding in what they're doing. The, the I mean, no, it's not, mm. Yeah, it's not peril where somebody's going to be dying, not that level of peril, but there is certainly a, a risk of them not succeeding yeah. in their endeavours. Having to wait, um, that, you know, that 12 hours overnight on the Sunday or whatever, and you can see the ship in the background, you're thinking, is that going to sink? Are they going to make it in time? You know, And there is a yeah. little bit, actually, when they're on board the ship, isn't there? Because it starts lurching to one side. That's shifting, yeah. Yeah. And then, you you know, you've got the Gordon Jackson character, you know, would he be trapped in there? And then when they're being the, the whiskey they have rescued, when there's a hunt by the authorities to try and find it, and um, although it's amusing seeing the different places where they decide to to stash the loot um you know underneath the baby um in the cot and yeah. uh, the one i particularly liked is where they, they're lining up the bottles in the gutter of the, the house <laughs> that's, that's out of sight so that you know certainly the the fun element to it oh, even yeah. though there is the the risk of them not succeeding and the the final payoff is is quite subtle and and nice at the end there without it being that the um there is any any real tragedy yeah but all the way through though there's some great great performances and and great little bits of dialogue as well and and little pieces in there that are just funny without it feeling forced well you get this it's quite nice you get this real sense don't you that how important like you said the water of life actually is to these poor poor guys up on this island because you know, within the first five minutes, the, the, the story's set. You know, we know where we go with this. There's not a drop of whiskey on the island. And, you know, a couple of the more elderly <laughs> inhabitants have to be, you know, take take themselves to bed. because they're yeah. just, and, and there's this marvellous scene with James Robertson Justice, who is this overblown character, as you say, who is, the, the you know, the island's doctor. And he's visiting one of these elderly patients, and it's like, I don't think I can go on, Doctor. Oh, don't be stupid, old man. You know, all I can all see this. the mist rolling yeah. in, <laughs> and it's all because there's no Scotch. There's nothing physically wrong with him. Yeah. Um, and James Robertson's answer to it, is, it again, to, to modern day audiences, will probably be completely baffled by this. He gives him a pouch of tobacco. A doctor yeah. gives his patient a pouch of tobacco because he hasn't got any. And he said, but I broke my pipe, doctor. And he gives him a pipe. He said, I've got a spare, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, they used to, you know, just prescribe smoking for, you know, people with asthma. 
tickly. <laughs> no, it's good for it's good for asthma. I mean, there's a, a little bit in in the film where you do have to exercise some you know some caution of, of deciding to um, ignore reality. I mean, it's when they manage mm. to fuel the car. Uh, the van um, we're using using whiskey it, it substitutes for natural uh, petrol or diesel which I think is is not necessarily completely well, scientific also you but, know when they're unloading the, the ship itself in the little rowing boats right? how many crates were on that rowing boat and if they're full yeah, yeah I can imagine each of those cases had 12 bottles of whiskey in them Th- those rowing boats would have sunk to the bottom surely it's just you've got to suspend a bit of disbelief haven't you like you say to, but it's a comedy at the end of the day it's not designed to be taken seriously and if you go into this with the right attitude which I'm sure most people do knowing it's an eating comedy you are going to be rewarded with as I say one hour 20 minutes of nothing wasted here every minute counts and every minute has got something magical about it even the slight distraction of the love story still is wonderful the relationship between joan greenwood and her sister and their father i Mm. think is brilliant which i'd not really picked up on before you know the the father's so matter of fact about the the the, the fact that his daughter is, is just about to get married because there is no whiskey on the island there are far more important things than his daughter's happiness to worry yeah, and, about. and the fact that he, you know, uses her potential suitor, they can't get married um, because there's no whiskey, so yeah, they can't have, have the celebration, the, the traditional yeah. celebration, yeah. in order to sort of uh, approve the, the marriage. And <laughs> the sergeant who returns to the island, this is what we see. I think it's quite a useful device that they bring in that he's returned to the island at the beginning of the film. Yes, um, although he's been there before, he's, he is coming back. But two years he's been away, isn't he? Yeah, two years. Um, and I think that in that sense, it's kind of um, a device for bringing us as the audience into the into the the, the story and yeah. and the the island life from the outside sort of thing. And I think he's a good foil for the the captain of the guard, who's a bit more uh, uh, a Captain Mannering type, um, yes. just obsessed yeah. with his own. Itself of importance as leading the home guard and sticking to the rules, despite that fact that his his own superior officer on the end of a phone um, wants him to get him some of the whiskey rather than actually catch it, <laughs> you know, stop the stop it from being looted. He wants to, him to get his share of the loot. Even him though, even the captain, despite being representing the establishment and the 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 English colonial powers for want mm. of a better um, idea, he still has a soft edge to him that he's doing it because it's his duty rather than because he believes in it. It's like the analogy he uses about the, the, the game of football, saying that yeah. they don't play for the sake of playing, they, they, they only do what they, they have to that's do, and that's it. why the home guard thing is not taking it seriously because there's no imminent threat, whereas previously they had. But I think he as a character... He's, he's not anti-Scottish and he's not anti the Scottish culture. He's just he's doing what he pomp- uh, pompously thinks of his his duty. But even he has a softer edge towards the the culture because he you know he keeps slipping into trying pieces of of Gaelic language. Yeah, yes, he does. Um, and um, even even when he's not with the Scots people, when he's with his wife, he uses some phrase and she says what you're talking about and he, he sort of shrugs it off as, as not something he didn't really intend to do he's just sort of slipped into it which means he's becoming acclimatized but it shows that the you know it, it's not 
it's not adversarial because there's any real animosity. It's just a different oh. view of, 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 of life. And oh. that's quite quite nice as well, particularly after the, you know, so soon after the war where you don't want to have this kind of conflict portrayed as within the English people themselves. I think um, he's, he's got a great admiration for the people he's, he's defending. But there's also a lot of bafflement and bemusement over their logic you know because yeah. because they are a simple folk with simple ways there is an answer to everything that's not necessarily as complicated as he wants to make it out to be look at the incident with the ammunition haven't i after telling you a dozen times mr wackett that i cannot accept explosives on this ship captain mckechnie it is my duty to see that i'm in a state of full defense how can I defend myself if my cartridges do not fit my rifle? Hey, it would be a bit awkward, right enough. Awkward? It's more than awkward. This kind of thing led to the fall of France. A rule is a rule and a regulation is a regulation. The ammunition arrived on the Island Queen. Yes, yes, but Captain McKechnie did not know then that there was explosives. If I had known, I would never have brought them. Don't you understand? I cannot get any 300 ammunition from Ordnance until this 303 gets back. I had a wire from Obeg this morning. Yes? Oh, Sergeant, yes. <laughs> Welcome Can't back. Can't have any help, sir. No. Would it be all the same if you sent back the .300 rifles and kept the .303 ammunition? Then you could ask them to send the .300 rifles so that we could it use... It would not be the same thing at all. I'd rather have rifle and no ammunition than ammunition and no rifles. I beg your pardon, sir. What? If I might make a suggestion, sir, we could leave the stuff up at Mr. McCroon's shop. Then you could take it up with headquarters. Yes. Not without a guard. Yes. The, yeah. You know, he, he wants to send back this ammunition because the war office have sent the wrong ammunition for the rifles they've got on the island. So yeah. the captain of the ship says, well, I can't have munitions on this, uh, going on this boat. He said, but it came over on the boat. You know, and then they come up with this, this argument why it can't go back, and then their answer to it is, well, why don't you send back the rifles, keep the ammunition? And, well, <laughs> and then his answer is, well, I'd rather have rifles without ammunition than ammunition without rifles. And it's silly little things like that. You think, but he's, yeah. he's quite logical. But at the same time, he's not confrontational to a certain degree because I think he's got this admiration for the, for the, for the folks on the island. Look at the bit where they're putting up the roadblock. And James Robertson Justice, as the doctor, pulls up in the car. But then somebody points out, it might be John Gregson, says that this is the only road that runs in a circular direction around the island. So if we were to be invaded and they see a roadblock, they'll just turn around and go the other way. Now come on, come on, get up over on there. It's not good enough, you know. Every time they move that roadblock, it's longer than the last. How do you account for that? Well, I... I wouldn't say they were doing too badly, sir. It's pretty heavy going, you know. All right, Sergeant, we'll see it again. Right, once again, men, move. It's very discouraging. Yes, sir. Just one point it did strike me, sir. What's that? Well, sir, if this is the only road round the island, all the jury would need to do in theory would be to turn around and come here the other way. Yes. I was wondering when you were going to think of that. You should have pointed that out to me before, Mr. Campbell. Well, it's easy enough to put it right, sir. I mean, say, if you have them at all, I suggest you buy a couple of more roadblocks, that's all, sir. Mm. Put that in hand. Yes, sir. You know, it's logic. 
Yeah, it's a returning sergeant. Yeah, he's he's. Oh, is know, it Bruce Seaton, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Again, he's he's diffusing a situation of sort of conflict between the sort of the English in the represented in the the captain and the mm. the locals. You know, again showing that he's he's got a foot in each camp, particularly since he's in love with one of the yes. local lassies. Mm. And so that that's the level at which the, the the closest that comes to any outright confrontation is when. That the captain's trying to get Gordon Jackson out from under the skirts of his his mother because she she's confined him to <laughs> to his bedroom with with bread and cheese and his Bible so he can't come out on army manoeuvres <laughs> and that's the closest that there comes to any real conflict in that sense uh, otherwise it's it's more of a, a sort of caper with regards to people good naturedly running around trying to catch each other out or or escape being caught out just for the, the sake of all this whiskey yeah um and it, it you know it, it is a good-natured film and and although it does caricature the the scottish people particularly islanders it's certainly not i don't think it's 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 unaffectionate it's certainly um trying to trying to show that respect for them having a, a different culture and it's just doing it in an accentuated way really i mean and it is written by somebody who's scottish so you can't can't say it's how it's Scottish too much. True, yeah. But, um, and I don't, as I say, I, I, I have a, only have a, a vague awareness of the um, the sequel, the unofficial it's sequel. Rockets galore, wasn't it? I've, yeah. I don't think I've actually I've, seen it. I've seen it. Yeah. But I can't remember much about it. It certainly mm. wasn't to this level of impressiveness. But no. I don't remember it being awful. It just didn't. It just didn't hit home as 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 well it was a bit more stretched i think yeah um had some good bits in it but um and it had some returning cast um, oh, right, and returning okay. roles but um certainly it's whiskey the last stands alone it doesn't require any any subsequent watches and from me watching it this time round, there were bits that i picked up on that i hadn't really got before and i think it is a case that it's one of those films where appreciation improves the more times you watch it for myself yeah um, and the cast, as you say, watching watching various people in there, particularly the new favourite on the podcast that's been growing in, in acclaim, uh, John Gregson. Oh, yes. Again, non-Scottish actor, brought yeah. on board. I think he was born in Liverpool. I can hear you rustling papers. Let's, let's, let's have a look at the Hall of Fame, mate, because ideal chance now. Because it, it does happen that um, John Gregson, he is a new inductee. Oh, brilliant! Is he? I thought he was in. This is, this is him, him making it. Excellent. Um, okay. Previously, Scott of the Antarctic mm-hmm. and um, Lavender Hill. Oh, by the way, I'm I'm thinking of starting a new game, <laughs> or, an, or a new <laughs> yes. to do the Hall of Fame. Um, sort of predicting how many of the people you're going to mention have appearances in either Scott of the Antarctic or A Night to Remember. Because... <laughs> Night to Remember will be the, the, the big one, yeah. Because it yeah. just seems to be that every week you rattle off all these names and you can guarantee that 90% of them appeared in A Night to Remember. <laughs> but, yeah, it was such a, a, uh, an amazing um, cast on oh, that, yes. a cast of thousand, yes. that um, you know any British actor that, that was anybody who, uh, <laughs> or ended up becoming anybody was in it. I'm sure Barbara Windsor was in there somewhere, but... Oh, 
in the background somehow. Um, on, who we got in, but, mate? Who we so, got? yeah, so we've got John Gregson um, making his, his... He's the only new inductee. Okay, right. Um, surprisingly. We do have two people who are making their fourth appearance, which yep. obviously is, is Gordon Jackson and James Robertson Justice. Brilliant, okay. Um, we have somebody who's making their sixth appearance... Yeah, um, which is Bruce Bruce Setton who played yeah. Captain Odd. Interesting. Um, this one, he's actually got quite a lead role because previously we always thought, "Who's Bruce Seaton? Bruce Setton? Who is he?" He's had background yeah. minor character parts, and this one, boom, straight to the forefront with this one. Absolutely, and, mm. and his IMDb profile picture, you know, with the moustache and things, it doesn't mm. immediately recognise him from this film, and it very much is a, a, a secondary part usually in, yeah. in films which is why we're not sure whether it is Seaton or Seton um, <laughs> yeah, as his name <laughs> so they're, they're, you know, he's as I say thankfully been in, in six things now okay. but of course we do have somebody who's made their tenth appearance now is this the um, uncredited gentleman I mentioned uncredited earlier. gentleman yeah um, spotted this earlier yesterday and, um, yeah Cyril Chamberlain <laughs> Now, um, what, hang on, who was he playing uncredited? Let me double-check this. Uncredited appearance for Cyril Chamberlain as... Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Either one of the sailors or one of the excisemen, I would assume. Yeah. Cyril Chamberlain, bit part uncredited, he says. Is that all? <laughs> Doesn't give anything away. Anybody else get inducted or extra appearances here, mate, that we're aware um, of? Extra appearances. There's a couple of people that have got, you know, a second appearance, yeah, but yeah. not anybody that's that's um, really yet of any any note until they they go in. I mean, there's, we did mention, I think, before we when we were discussing the film, the Finley Curry, who that's who the one I wanted you to voice over. Yeah, I wanted you to was, check. Um, second appearance because his first appearance was um, in uh, oh, what would it Bunny been? Lake. That's he was, right. He was, he, was, he was the the doll doctor. The doll doctor in, in Bunny Lake. So he's his second appearance. And to be honest, I would be surprised if you know if it's not long before he reappears. Well, eventually, with the older um, stuff. Wasn't he um, Magwitch in Great Expectations? The David Lean. I'm sure that's Finley Curry. He'll definitely appear somewhere. Let's have a look. Let's have a look because he's one of those, just those faces that you know. Yeah. Great Expectations. Magwitch, 1946. It's also the narrator and Balthazar in Ben-Hur. That's what I know him from. Well, um, yeah, he'll crop up. He will yeah, definitely crop up. Basil Radford, who's, who's one of the main characters in this, is the yeah. captain. He's only got his second appearance, but I'm sure he'll be cropping up well, again soon as well. Normally seen as a double act, isn't he? With Is it Norton Wayne, Char- Charters and Caldecott? Yeah. Uh, so we must have seen him in 39 Steps. I think that was when they appeared. But we're going to see those two together in other movies certainly even if we don't see him on his own he's going to be there as part of that team not as many this week as I thought then being an Ealing comedy you know with a fairly sort of you know you'd think they all have the same sort of stock cast and that going backstage we, we don't mention too much do we about producers and directors and those kind of guys but mm. Douglas Slocum was the cinematographer, which is why we, we're sort of saying, well, you know, it didn't actually look too bad, you know, because it's, it's difficult not to make a beautiful Scottish island look, you know, <laughs> yeah. anything but, but wonderful. But, you know, he was on most of the Ealing comedies anyway, Man in the White Suit, Lavender Hill, Mob, Kind Hearts and all that. But died at the age of 103, still making, you know, movies right up to the end. He was the cinematographer on things like Raiders of the Lost Ark. 
you know this guy was did a lot of the kitchen sink stuff one of our biggest or certainly one of our most famous cinematographers douglas slocum he he may be worth sort of adding to your back backroom boys list mate that you had going at the bottom of your spreadsheet yeah yeah because um, he's certainly notable, you know. Between 1940 and 1989, he was making movies, so certainly worth looking out for him. Final thoughts. I mean, personally, for me, I've got eating comedies that I prefer. I think we all have. This is this is just slightly above mid-table for me. I think in the eating comedy canon. But I can't fault it. As I say, it's an hour and 20 minutes. Not a second's wasted. The cast, magical. Can't help but laughing out loud at certain things, certain situations. The one that I think I laughed at most this time round, which I thought it would have been James Robertson Justice being the blustering, you know, the template for Lancelot Spratt almost. Hmm. But it was the mother. The, the mother that was keeping Gordon Jackson in, and it was, and as you said, the dialogue that was coming out, the, the, she was talking about, you know, because the the sergeant had been, or he was talking about fighting in North Africa, and she'd, I, I hear the cannibals in Africa, you know, she, was it, I'm not asking your son to eat anybody or anything, or you will be soon yeah. or something, just, just snappy all the way through, and yeah, I can't see that some of the criticism that I saw online of it totally unjustified um it is a top tier eating comedy five stars all the way for me well i, I you know criticism elsewhere i mean uh, any trust criticism from us so um <laughs> it's not my favorite eating comedy no. um there, there are others um including passports pimlico which obviously sits alongside this as a in theme as mm. well as um when it was made but yeah i'd agree with you you were saying that it's it's slightly above mid-table I wouldn't describe it as average in any way, but it's um, it, it doesn't. There are others that I think that hit the stride a few years later, and they were you know they were pulling it out of the bag a lot, a lot more consistently. Um, but this certainly is well worth a watch. Um, I would you know highly recommend people watch it at least once. You know, and you don't need to see it the cinema. You can just uh, either catch it on Talking Pictures TV at some point, or um, or, or probably on youtube or i think or it is other, yeah, yeah um for free to watch and it's worth it it is a snapshot of this gentle comedy from mm. that time and the, the way life was at that time yeah. as well it doesn't go too deep into how people were living their lives as such you know but it certainly just show you that people were were happy with a, a simpler life um and didn't want to have anything changed as you know as long as they got uh, uh, their whiskey and <laughs> the occasional the occasional broadcast on the wireless That's um, right, yeah. was 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 that was it um it's an easy the, watch isn't it mate it's not taxing at all this it's no. there, there, there's a plot that is pure simplicity itself you, you haven't got to think this through and, and I, I think that's could be said generally about most of the healing comedies you know that there is that theme in a lot of them where a group of people almost downtrodden or facing some sort of adversity rally together and, and come out on top and we saw that in sort of like Passport to Pimlico we saw that in a couple of the others that, that it's not a generalisation there but you know you, you see that sometimes in, in an eating comedy don't you that there's a lot of um, like a big cast sometimes you, you'd, 
yeah you you've got a you know a community of people banding together yeah. almost for its own self-preservation and that mm. can be passports pimlico can be to um, feel thunderbolt to a certain degree isn't it sort of yeah you know, rallying um, together um um la- ladies that do mm-hmm. or ladies who do yeah i think it's ladies that do i think that's an healing comedy isn't it that, i think so yeah um, um which you know they're they're trying to save their neighborhood um from developers and, that's it. and, and it is a, a theme there by that that brings in people's own sensibility about yeah. their own community and I, I think that was more a key of the time as well because obviously the community yeah. now is different yeah. as well yeah we're still talking the age of rationing and you know the war's not a distant memory by any by any talk here you know it's it was only four years before and it's still quite relevant passport to pimlico was entirely relevant at the time as we said when we reviewed it and we haven't been avoiding healing comedies i think we just didn't want to didn't want to do them all straight away we wanted to savor some of these didn't we mate and it's it's going to be nice that knowing that we've still got lady killers man in the white suit some of these big ones but then i'm also looking forward to the ones that i'm not that familiar with hue and cry the magnet and um the ones that i haven't seen that often um yes there's a few, isn't there? Because I'm, I'm sure you have your favourites that you will go back to again and again. Yeah, but, but there's, as you said, there's certainly a few that aren't top echelon ones, but mm. still are well worth a watch and yeah. well worth um, us pointing people towards. Yeah. And um, in some sense, that might be a bit of a, of a rediscovery for us to have a, um, a new appreciation for some of the ones that we haven't given a higher prominence to previously in our minds so yeah um, there's certainly plenty more for us to delve into i think we um, might do it a bit more regularly because there, there is there is quite a back catalogue there that, that we can go into as i say it's not the the six or seven big ones there's another 16 lurking behind them as well so okay that's whiskey galore 1949 your choice for me mate should we take a quick break because i've got one in mind already for you i had a little think this morning and i know i know exactly where we're going let's take a break we'll be back after this Sands. <laughs> <Don't-> 
okay next time Stephen we were just having a little chat there in the break about you know I was sort of trying to make wild connections about the Ealing comedies and famous directors and, and, and just trying to be a bit clever but what I'm going to do mate in honour of Ian Holm who sadly passed away a couple of days ago age of 83 I thought it'd be nice to review another one of his movies right? we've already covered Dance with a Stranger he played quite a major role didn't he in that now we know a lot of his career obviously was in Hollywood so that's going to limit the amount of movies we we can dip into with him or or even New Zealand you know look at the Hobbit series and all that like, you know a lot of not New Zealand movies uh, there's a lot of TV work you know so I went down the IMDB filmography you know I'd love to do Alien but we can't really class that as a as a British movie so for next time what I found it certainly is a British movie so much so that when the screenwriter one of our favourite actors Colin Welland when he was collecting the Oscar in this particular year he boldly declared the British are coming still up for debate in Hollywood whether that's actually happened or not but next time mate we're going back to 1981 and we're going to do Chariots of Fire I knew that was going yeah <laughs> that bold Colin Welland statement I remember it I remember watching that particular Oscars in 81, 82 and wasn't this we've had this conversation many many months ago 81 82 the year of the british film or something it was declared we we had vague some, yeah, memories of this like didn't yeah. we um and weirdly enough 81 this this will put ian home into the hall of fame oh has he got two appearances what's the other so one he's got two appearances well the other one well obviously dance of a stranger was one of them yeah. the other one was in 1981 which was Time Bandits. Of course he played Napoleon. Yeah. Oh, well, what a good way of honouring the man then. That's that's yeah. that's worked out better than I thought. I don't think he, from what I can remember, it was a massive role for him in Chariots of Fire, but... Let's he was just, there, so it's good yeah, Let's just do it, mate. It's it's a big one. It's an Oscar winner. You know, yeah. and it, it, it's British as British can be. Absolutely. Achingly British. Achingly Ach- British. Achingly, achingly English, certainly. <laughs> I haven't seen it for a while. It's been sitting on my shelf for a long time, and I'd love to go back and see it. So we'll be doing Chariots of Fire on Real Britannia in a couple of weeks' time. Stephen, thank you for this morning. Thank you for Ealing Comedies. Thank you for bringing that to us, because it was about time we did another one. I thoroughly enjoyed watching that yesterday again. It's Sunday afternoon. I may go and watch another one now. Why not, eh? There's plenty to choose from. (laughs) Plenty, plenty of quality to choose from. Oh, indeed, indeed. Mate, thanks very much for being here, mate. I'll see you next time. Take care. Take care. Absolute shah. A positive shah. Good luck. Thank you.
making the British end up, sir. Ha, ha, ha.